Welcome to Bully Banter, the Commercial Dispatch's weekly Mississippi State sports podcast. I'm Theo DeRosa, the sports editor, here with Alex Murphy and Colin Dams, as we're in mid-January now. And the college football season is officially over, with Georgia demolishing TCU on Monday in the national championship game in L.A. Mississippi State season, of course, having ended on January 2nd in their Lyaquist Bowl. Now, you know, you're seeing staff hires, you're seeing a new athletic director, a new offensive coordinator, all the changes that come with the football offseason. Guys, are you going to miss the, uh, I don't know, the pageantry and the panic of college football for a few months? Or are you guys kind of enjoying a little bit of a break? Nah, baseball season's coming up, baby. I mean, uh, in case anyone hadn't noticed, uh, I'm a big soccer guy, so uh, that sport never ends. <laughs> so in terms of uh, you know pageantry and entertainment, I've never really lacking. But um, I, I do love college football. Um, it's going to feel like a really long time until September again. Um, yeah, not not just Mississippi State. I mean, I'm I'm just kind of a fan. Saturdays are, you know, days where I'm I'm happy to park in front of the television and watch whatever games are going on. Um, we also actually had um, a, a good playoff semifinal in both games this year. Um, I know my team came up painfully short in that field goal attempt against Georgia, but um, you, you know, it, it was a really entertaining bull season all around. And I think a pretty good case of evidence for, you know, where college football is moving in terms of conference and then playoff expansion. Yeah. I was going to ask when your team loses by one point to a team that then wins by like 58 in the national championship game, do you feel pretty good about how Ohio State season went or is it just more painful at that point? No, I was really mad watching the TCU game. I was like, this should be us <laughs> doing this to them right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. I, I kind of already accepted that Ohio State were going to lose to Georgia. Um, the way that it happened was a way that or I was, I left a lot, feeling a lot more proud of the team than I thought I would, but also really, really, really sad <laughs> that it ended that way. I think that and then the, the way they lost to Clemson, were very similar in uh 2019 with you know the last play of the game just kind of like uh stopping a drive that felt the whole way like it was going to be the game winner but you know mm. life goes on are you guys I will say I think the... well I, I I was gonna say I think I have a pretty interesting perspective on this being that um the school that I went to for college in the area that I grew up um, and my parents really didn't go to like big college football schools. Like my dad went to Temple, which is like the only school of the two that actually plays college football. And like you can, I mean, they've produced good NFL players, but in terms of like college football seasons, they've had like you can count them on you know your hand the amount of good seasons that they've had. Uh, and and the same thing with where I went to school. So. Um, like I've always enjoyed college football and obviously this season was a great season being able to watch Mississippi state. Um, you know, they, they ended up having a really, really good year, um, a, a year that I don't know. I know that we more or less kind of predicted the start of the season, but just the fact that they were able to do it was really impressive. Um, now I, 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 obviously with baseball, I wasn't kidding about that. I'm actually extremely excited for the baseball season to start, not just major league baseball, but also college baseball. That's probably the, the the thing when I came down here I was most excited about seeing was just how the college baseball season was going to kind of come out. And then also where I came to school or where I went to school, the lacrosse season um, is also pretty big. So 
but I mean, still college football, especially this year, like Colin was talking about with the playoff semifinals being as intriguing as they were. It seemed like there was a lot of good bowl games, a lot of close bowl games. Uh, it made for a really, really, really good season overall. And considering how the, and we'll talk about this later with, with how uh, basketball is doing, but uh, I, I think Mississippi state fans are starting to miss the season, the, the football season a little bit more than they, I think that they, uh, we're hoping uh, that they, you know, like they, they, they're hoping it'd be a little bit less of a, uh, of a miss, but uh, it seems like things have kind of spiraled in the wrong direction. Yeah. I think by the time college baseball starts, which is not that long from now, I think a month and a week, five weeks, something like that. State oh, will play its man, first Don't get series. me excited like that, Theo. Well, it's, I'm excited too, because it's always fun to go out to the dude and watch a game. And I'm sure, you know, state fans are hoping for kind of a rebound year, maybe not to that level they were at 2021, you know, reaching the top and winning that championship, but making the SEC tournament start there, making the NCAA tournament, maybe hosting. I think those are reasonable goals for this team because it's a program that year after year, I mean, typically does that last year, maybe an aberration. You've got to hope if you're a state fan that it, that it was, you have the softball team starting in a month. And they're coming off that first super regional. And there's still promise with each of these basketball teams, despite some of the struggles that they've had recently. So, you I mean, football, you know, had a great season and I'm sure fans are ready for that when it comes back around in September, but there's going to be quite a bit to tide state fans over the next eight months or so. And there's always recruiting. I mean, if you're yeah. really like a college football nut, uh, you know, that, I mean, that, that never stops. So, um, how, how do you guys feel about, I mean, seeing a team like TCU who, um, I mean, not every year you would expect a team like that to, you know, challenge for the conference title, let alone make the playoff, but, you know, maybe a program kind of similar on a level of Mississippi State. I mean, with the playoff expanding to 12 teams, I feel like there's a decent shot that Mississippi State could get in one of those years. I know Mike Leach wanted 64 teams, but... I mean, even before he came up with that plan, I think he had said something about a 16-team playoff. A 64-team playoff would have been insane. I am always a fan of the underdog. I mean, you know, with the NCAA tournament, with with basketball, I think that's the best example of being able to, um, you know, watch teams go on Cinderella runs. I think football doesn't necessarily lend itself to that as much just because of the fact that a four-team playoff, you really can't get that. I mean, TCU is probably the closest thing that college football fans have gotten to a Cinderella. And, like, I wouldn't even consider them that, considering the fact that they've been a team who has been ranked in the top five, um, you know, at the end of the BCS poll, uh, has been to multiple Rose Bowls in the, um, you know, in the millennium. So uh, that's, like, the closest thing that I guess college football fans have to some sort of a, you know, a Cinderella team making. But, I mean, we saw it with with what St. Peter's did last year in the NCAA tournament, where they captured the minds of an entire country as they kept going on this run to get to the elite eight, something that no team of their seed has ever done. No 15 seed had ever reached the sweet 16 or, you know, past the sweet 16 and they got all the way to the elite eight. Uh, and, you know, it was really, really exciting and a lot of fun to watch. And I think with, you know, with this year, seeing a team like Tulane, win the American and then not only win the American, but also win a new year six bowl on top of that, they would have a hundred percent been a team that would have been in 12 team playoff there. And who knows? I mean, you know, if, if this year was an indication of what teams like that can do, I think a 12 team playoff serves uh, college football fans really, really well to, 
see less of the Alabamas and Clemsons and and Georgias. And, you know, credit, you know, all credit to Georgia for winning the national championship, but just you know, the same teams and the same faces being there over and over and over again. I think it would lend itself well to having more variety um, and you know more more chaos and uniqueness kind of uh, as things go. Yeah, I'm definitely in favor of a 12-team playoff, but it was hard to watch TCU get absolutely demolished like that and not think, you know, okay, Alabama would have given them a better game. But Alabama did lose those two games. It's not like they deserved to be in despite being one of the best teams in the country. I mean, you have to prove it on the field, and they obviously didn't do that with those losses and a couple other close games that they really could have or should have lost. So as much as it's more fun to watch more competitive final games. I mean, the semifinals were great and Georgia was just better, just way better in this case, but just better. And it's going to happen sometimes. Like you guys said, the more teams, the more likely we get some of those more random matchups. And I'm all for that. It's fun seeing TCU in there and not Clemson or something or Alabama out for a change. And I think the more teams are in it, the more that's going to happen. But however, I'm not in favor of expanding the basketball tournament. That is perfect the way it is. There's no reason to go to like 90 teams. I don't really yeah. know why we're talking about that, but it has been discussed and I just don't mess with perfection. Who things. the heck discussed that? That's terrible. Who did ew? No, 60. I mean, 68, I think was a little bit controversial by some people, but 68 is work. So like, yeah, it makes no sense why you would expand further than that. Speaking of 68, I the think I'm on board with you on that one. I think both Mississippi State men's and women's basketball are projected as last four in teams right now. I think I don't know Ooh. if the women. I don't. I think the women don't have the the first four, but uh, both of them are projected last four in. So the men would be in Dayton, and the women would barely make it into the field. That's obviously subject to change with like three months to go until the end of the season. But right now, I mean, both are playing kind of like bubble teams. So it might be a sweat to the finish and a sweat to March, with the SEC tournaments having a lot of say in it. But, I mean, Colin, you've seen the, the women's team get that uh, early win against Vanderbilt in SEC play, l- losses to Ole Miss, Tennessee, and now South Carolina. What do you think of that South Carolina game? Obviously really close. And how do you feel like the women's team is going to respond to that? Yeah, I mean, it was really a bummer. Um, I, I, so Alex got to go to the game because I was sick uh, over the weekend. And as soon as the game started, I was watching on TV. I was like really upset that I couldn't go. I, I, I really enjoyed all the, you know, previous Mississippi state, South Carolina meetings and, uh, Sam Purcell really embraced the occasion of it without really giving too much expectation for, you know, Mississippi state to win the game. But, um, he really wanted it to be an opportunity to show that they can make progress from, you know, the loss to Ole Miss, uh, when they went to Tennessee, they played a really tough game and they lost. Um, their scoring was, uh, especially with DeBrisha Poe, I think they spread the floor probably the best that I've seen them do it this season. Um, they've been a really inconsistent scoring team. That hit them again against South Carolina, but that's a lot more understandable because South Carolina are very, very good. Um, even Olia Boston, who wasn't having a great scoring game, she had a really good defensive game. Uh, the offensive boards were huge as well for South Carolina. Um, Mississippi State just couldn't really compete. Um, when you get out-rebounded like that and you give up, I think it was something like 20 second-chance points to South Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, it, you're just not going to win that game. But um, I, I would say that they did they did show signs of progress. I think that 
they're a lot more conscious of ways that they can open up teams. They really took advantage of South Carolina, not expecting them to challenge them in the paint. Um, I, I think early on, especially when they kind of built the lead in the first and second quarter, Mississippi State were just not afraid to drive at them at all and get into the paint and draw fouls. Um, they, they've still got a lot of work to do, but also, I mean, they played two of the toughest SEC teams, I think. The, they still have LSU left, and then they have uh, Tennessee coming back to the hump, so they'll get a rematch there. But um, other than that, I mean, Texas A&M, Auburn, those are games that they should win. They'll play Ole Miss again. Uh, that's a team that, you know, they're probably pretty evenly matched, and I think that they'll believe that they can win that game. Um, and other other teams like Kentucky that are usually very good, Florida, uh, are not as good as they usually are. So I, I think that if they can kind of keep their heads up from the, these last couple of games and, you know, carry some confidence, they should, they should be able to pick up some more wins and maybe get back in the tournament conversation. Yeah, I Alex, what did you think of that South Carolina uh, game? Yeah, yeah, I wanted to uh, chime in just for a quick second. Um, so the fact that they got out-rebounded by 20 and got out-offensive rebounded by, like, 12 or whatever it was and had two second-chance points compared to South Carolina's 20 and all of this, and they still were able to hold South Carolina to their lowest point total of the season and were able to keep it relatively close throughout the entire game shows how good of a game that they played. I know it doesn't necessarily show because when you look at it and you're like, wow, they absolutely got torched on the rebounding side of things. And that's simply because South Carolina is just a bigger, taller team. Like that was simply what it was. Uh, Mississippi State didn't have enough bodies to be able to handle South Carolina having as many bigs as they did and just, you know, just bigger bodies that they did um, on the inside. But, you know, still with all of that, they still were they, – they stayed in the game. They kept it competitive. They looked really, really good in the first quarter and kind of things – I think that second quarter was really the biggest thing that kind of, you know, shifted the momentum of the game because South Carolina went plus 13 in that quarter and ended up taking like a six, seven-point lead into halftime. And at that point, uh, if you're Mississippi State, you're playing from behind the rest of the way. And the only way that they were going to be able to get back in it was – to be able to go on runs here and there and figure out ways to get back in the game. But that didn't necessarily mean that they were, you know, going to take the lead or whatever it is. They were lucky to go on leads and things like that. And they challenged South Carolina really well. It's just at a certain point, the number one team in the nation became the number one team in the nation and it just dominated. Um, and not in a way that you would think because, you know, these are sort of the ugly wins that South Carolina is going to need on their schedule. Uh but, yeah, it, I mean, it was just one of those games where um, for every run that Mississippi State started going on in the second half, South Carolina had an answer in some way, shape, or form, whether that be get, getting an offensive rebound and a putback, um, stopping Mississippi State on defense, or just Mississippi State missing a shot that, that they shouldn't have missed or whatever it might have been. But, yeah, I mean, it was a really, really, really good game. I think a good stepping stone and a good moving forward point for Mississippi State. It just – I, I think for everyone that was there, because I think there was like 6,000 people or something like that at the hump. Um, I, I think that the final score was disappointing, but it was also encouraging. And hopefully they keep in mind too that, um, I, I mean, obviously everyone remembers that for five, six years, this matchup determined who won the SEC, not just in the regular season, but in the tournament. It was just understood that these two teams were going to decide that. 
and one year it decided the national champion. So for Mississippi State fans, it's been a hard adjustment the last three years to you know get to where we are now. I think that there needs to be you know positivity about where the direction of the team is headed, though. That in one year, Sam Purcell can have them playing at a competitive level again, um, with you know a lot of players who he didn't really have experience with before this year, and then others that he did, but are only playing with teammates that they've known for six, seven months now. Um, also worth noting that in today's news, um, all three of Mississippi State's incoming freshmen who are top 100, uh, two of them are top 50 ESPN recruits. Uh, all three of them were named to the McDonald's All-America team. So that's the level that Mississippi State is recruiting at again, which is also already a really big jump from the situation Purcell was in uh, when he took over back in April of last year. So I, I, I feel really good about where this team is headed personally. Yeah, that's funny. A really good point about the. It was a really good point about that. Because that was a fifty-eight, fifty-one score with South Carolina winning, and then I was at a game last night where the score was fifty-eight to fifty in a loss, and it felt just completely different as far as the style of the game and just uh, the the result for Mississippi State. I mean, the men's team losing at Georgia by that score, and it was just ugly. I don't know if y'all watched it, but like, yeah. I don't recommend it. Um, they missed 15, <laughs> they missed fifteen free throws. They shot like thirty percent from the field. You can maybe win doing one of those two things. And they were pretty close given that, but it just wasn't enough. And it's just been a concern. I mean, they've just shot really badly, taken free throws really badly for the last five games. And they're one in three in the SEC and going to Auburn on Saturday where it's not easy to win there. So just kind of danger for the men's team right now after such a great start. Yeah, they had a lot of talent. I mean, they still have a lot of talent, I, I think. Um, the problem is, and Chris Jans mentioned this in a press conference, I think it was after the Alabama game that they already know who they are as a team. And that's not a team that makes really splashy scoring plays and goes off on huge runs. I mean, they're, they're a hard nosed defensive team. And if they can't win that way, there's not much else they can do. Um, it's not looking great. Um, this is this is already a team that last year struggled on the road a lot in SEC play, particularly. I think even in non-conference games, they didn't look that great on the road, and they had that um, the game that they dropped against Minnesota that was really frustrating. But um, it, it's you know it's a little bit of the same thing with the women's team that you know you, you kind of you got to find the the baby steps to take this year in year one under a new coach. Um, maybe we were a little bit. Um, presumptuous with the 11 no starts by both teams. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that none of us really expected them to be contenders in the SEC at that point, but uh, definitely the optimism was there that they would make the tournament. And now it's, you know, it's looking a little shaky for both teams, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, that is true. At the start of the year, that I mean, I was like, I don't know if they had the roster to compete with all the guys that left and just trying to piece that together through the portal and when they were on the 11 no start, I mean, you saw them ranked like 15th, talked about as, as high as like a five or six seed in the tournament. And now they've kind of come back down to that bubble level. And realistically, it's probably where they've been the whole time. I mean, they were probably never a true talent top 15 team by the roster. They're probably not as bad as they've looked the last couple of games offensively. Somewhere in the middle, I would imagine. But the somewhere in the middle, that could be a big range. And it could be the difference between making the NCAA tournament for the first time in four years or just missing it again, which wouldn't be the end of the world in a first year under Jan's 
putting together a new roster, having guys like Iverson Molinar leave, having some other guys like Garcia and Derek Fountain transfer out some of the depth pieces for this team. But you're seeing that lack of offensive punch really hurt them. And crunch time, they just don't really have a go-to score like Molinar was for the last couple of years. And you can see how much that hurts when you're having guys miss seven shots in a row in the final minutes or miss free throws. You know, Tolu Smith is a good player, but you can't really trust a, a big guy because he's just going to go get double teamed and like he's going to have to kick it out, which will happen. And then somebody is going to miss a shot. So or I'm sure if he gets to the line. <laughs> he just can't yeah. get from the line. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah I started. Yeah. Oh, sorry, my bad, too. <laughs> no, that's the thing. He's just, yeah, it's, he's not reliable at the, the free throw line either. And I mean, if you're another team, you just got to go with the hack a shack strategy and it's probably going yeah. to work. Until he can prove that he can hit free throws, which he did shoot about 12% better last year from the free throw line, about 63%, which is still not great. Just you have so many guys that aren't reliable at the line right now, and it's just really hurting them. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I wanted to. All right, sorry, my back. (laughs) (laughs) You're good. Uh, I I was just going to say, like you mentioned with Iverson Molinar, I mean, they just haven't replaced that go to scorer, the guy who, you know, like, I, I. uh, on another podcast I do, we talk about guys who can go get you a bucket. And in the sport where it literally applies, that is vital. Um, I think they thought Eric Reed Jr. or Deshaun Davis could maybe be that guy uh, to guys who transferred in. It just hasn't really worked out. I think Keyshawn Murphy shows a lot of promise. Um, I think he's, I mean, he's still a freshman, right? Or is he a redshirt freshman, sophomore? kind of? He's player? a redshirt freshman, but you're right. He's yeah. one of the better offensive players for sure. And one of the more yeah. reliable scoring guys on the roster. It's just, yeah, uh, other th- other than that, they don't have many guys other than Cam Matthews or Tolu Smith who you really expect to be able to handle that sort of pressure. I think Shaquille Moore was better in the role that he was in last year, which was more of kind of a like a plug-and-play player off the bench who come, could come in at guard. And he's a decent shooter, but he, he's not the number one guy. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Always, Go ahead, yeah, Alex. I, I, yeah, yeah, I wanted to say so. Uh, as a as a Sixers fan, um, I know my fair share of watching terrible free throw shooting. Uh, that coming from one man who I don't need to say because people that I'm sure listen to this will probably know quite well. Um, and like it's annoying, especially in games, you know, like like the playoffs and just impact games where you need, um, you know, that sort of production from the line when you can't get it, and it's because. Just someone, I guess you, there was like a fluke or something like that. I mean, the same thing happened with Markel Fultz when he came into the league, where like he just forgot how to shoot and it just affected everything. And I don't know if Stage just going through a slump right now or whatever it is, but like just watching these guys, knowing that like when they're going to go to the free throw line, most state fans at this point are probably assuming that they're not going to make that free throw, which is something that teams should be making at, you know, somewhere around 70 to 75% of the time. Uh, and state's been shooting uh, well under fifty percent in that department over the last couple of SEC games. I mean, it's just frustrating. It's 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 incredibly frustrating. Thank God this isn't the NBA because people would be way more uh, angry about that kind of stuff because those games have a lot more things riding on it. But I mean, even a game like this, you know, if things like this could start haunting state going into the future. Just the fact that they haven't been able to convert. And in games where things have been close, I mean, the Alabama game was an 11-point final. This game was an 8-point final. So both of those games are, are both, you know, were 
relatively close and winnable games if you shoot well from the line. I mean, State missed 15 free throws. So if you make eight of those, nine of those, then you're in a chance to tie or win the game, and you're not even shooting that great from the line at that point. So I don't know. It's just it, it's it's really, really concerning to kind of see these things continue on consistently. I don't know where things are going to go, and I hope that um, – uh, like if you're a state fan, you are probably hoping to God that that Jans can find a way to figure this out. But I think at certain times he's just been as just flabbergasted by the entire situation as 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 everyone is that's a state fan right now. Yeah, he I mean, said Coach- last night he's never seen like a four game stretch where they've just shot this poorly in terms of free throws, and I think also in terms of just making these clutch shots. They did it in the Ole Miss game, but. They just didn't make the shots down the stretch, and they're shooting under 60% on the season from the line now, which is like eighth worst in Division One or sixth worst in Division One or something like that. It's just really bad, and you have to think it'll turn around. You think no team can shoot this poorly for three months, but You'd think Mississippi that, State but... <laughs> might prove everybody wrong at this point. And yeah, there I mean, are there are seven teams who are shooting worse, so technically, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, most of the time Mississippians are used to seeing, uh, you know, them ranked 50th out of 50 and stuff. So oh, it, it could be worse. On, don't do that. Don't well, do that. They're still shooting better than Eastern Kentucky, Minnesota, Missouri State, Brown, and UTEP from the free throw line. So we got uh, five oh, teams God. that are actually worse. And one of them State has played and beaten by like 20 points. There we go. And it's the only power five team Ooh. on that list. Hell Yeah. Before we uh, wrap it up, Alex, you had a soccer update, I believe. Yeah, so for those that are interested, the NWSL draft, uh, the NWSL, which is the um, the uh, women's uh, league equivalent to MLS in America, is having their draft tonight. It is being held in Philadelphia, which is kind of hilarious that I'm wearing all this Philadelphia guard, but that was not planned. Um, so the, the draft is being held tonight, Thursday night. Um, and one Mississippi State player, uh, Gwen Mummert, um, senior defender, uh, really kind of the backbone of the of the defense of Mississippi State as the season went on, you know, record breaking season for the uh, for the program. Uh, she entered her name into the draft. Now, keep in mind that she's not the only one by any stretch of the imagination. There's, I would say, upwards of 200 names, maybe even more, that have you know, you know, put themselves in that draft eligibility pool. Uh, there's only four rounds and 48 picks in the draft. So unfortunately her chances of being drafted off the jump are, you know, not that high to begin with. Uh, and then from there, it's kind of going to dwindle down. So it would be really, really cool if someone could draft her, but um, it's, I, 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 I would say right now it's definitely uncertain. However, she's definitely good enough to play elsewhere. I don't know where she would be able to play, but she's definitely had the pedigree at state, uh, she's been a very, very good defender, very, very reliable defender, and someone who's been healthy and has been durable throughout her career. So, um, yeah, just something to keep an eye on um, for tonight if you're going to watch it. Yeah, that's – I mean, it, it, it's one of the big bummers of, like, women's soccer that there's so few teams because, um, you know, for a long time in the United States – and this is the reason that the U.S. women's national team is so good um, – soccer was one of the only sports that women were allowed to play um so there's probably like 60 70 years of infrastructure there for women's soccer and yet there's only a league that has 12 teams um i mean gwen mummer is german um 
or she's from Germany originally. And, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of teams in Europe. I know that a lot of the best NWSL players have started moving to Europe recently because of higher wages there. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I would really like to see her get a chance to play. I think, uh, you know, that's just a great thing for the Mississippi state soccer program to have somebody of that caliber, um, who could potentially play at the next level. That would be really exciting. Yeah, by this time this podcast goes up, we'll find out if Gwen Mumbert has been drafted in the NWSL. Failing that, we will see you guys next week. So Colin and Alex, thanks for joining me today.